No Peyton Bowen, no Tassilia Kana. It's been an interesting first day of the early signing period. We're going to talk about that. We'll break down Oklahoma's 2023 recruiting class and how NIL might factor into the future of Oklahoma football on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Locked On Sooners. Thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. We're free and available on all podcast platforms, including YouTube. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. He's Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. Josh, the first day of the early signing period has come and gone, and... Eh, you know, it, there was some good, you know, Oklahoma didn't lose any commits. They signed hundred percent of their commits. So that's a good thing. But all of the projections leading into early signing period had the Oklahoma Sooners landing Peyton Bowen and to Celia Kana and the Sooners come up over two on both fronts. It's a, a weird time for this signing day and for this Oklahoma 2023 class, because really John, it's a very good class. You know, nationally, it's it's one of the best classes. It definitely for Oklahoma, even minus Bowen and minus Tassili Akana, is a big-time step in the right direction defensively in terms of the blue-chip talent that Oklahoma has gotten, right? It's uh, positive on so many fronts, and yet the fact that the, the Parker Thunes and Brandon Drums and Josh McQuistians the recruiting, the Oklahoma recruiting experts, and even the national guys, the, the Wilt Fongs of the world. I mean, there were a lot of, you know, the non-local recruiting experts that had Oklahoma landing, both Peyton Bowen and Tassilia Kana, and it didn't play out that way for the Sooners. So you did all these great things. Really, John, in some ways, like, A, it was definitely not a worse class than any class in recent memory, really, to me. Okay, like, we can get into the nuts and bolts, and maybe the 19 class was a little bit better according to the recruiting, whatever, right? But it wasn't really – it really wasn't a negative departure, I don't feel like, in any way, shape, or form for Oklahoma. And honestly, I think I can make a pretty simple debate or argument for you that it's a step in the right direction for Oklahoma on the recruiting front. And yet, because on – the final day of this on the beginning, the dawning of the early signing period with two highly profile guys, top 50, top 100 guys in both a five-star in Bowen and into Celia Kana. It leaves you with a sour taste in your mouth. And a lot of Oklahoma fans are asking the question, why can Oklahoma be good, but not great? And maybe this still is a great class, right? I think it certainly has the possibility to be that, but it's not that tippity top tier in college football and it felt like it was about to be for Oklahoma. So it's just a weird time, right? I guess that's sort of where I'm at with Oklahoma right now is it's really, it's a very successful class in a lot of ways for OU. And yet there's just fans that are upset about it because you didn't get Bowen and Akana. Yeah. Like all the writing was on the wall. I mean, we talked about it for weeks now that everything was pointing to Bowen and Akana ending up in Norman and neither one of those things happened. Akana goes to your biggest rival in Texas. Bowen goes to a team that you've got some history with. And and Oregon, I mean, just 
just talk about Oregon's day. Oregon had an incredibly crazy day. I mean, they flipped Austin Novastad from Baylor. Now Baylor's hurting a whole lot worse than Oklahoma is now, but, and, and the multiple, I mean, not just Peyton Bowen from Notre Dame, but they also flipped the, uh, a four-star wide receiver, I believe from Notre Dame as well. So it was just a, a crazy day all the way around. And Oregon was kind of the biggest beneficiary of all of it. And, and I think you're right. I mean, I think what it comes down to is, Partly, maybe we're to blame a little bit because we were also getting hyped, getting excited, reading the tea leaves, you know, seeing what these guys are saying. I mean, these guys are the experts. We trust those guys. I mean, you talk about the local guys, but and yeah, you mentioned, you know, Steve Wiltfong, Brandon Huffman of 247 Sports, Sam Spiegelman, Gary Hamilton, all those guys, the national recruiting experts as well, who have their finger on the pulse of what's going on in college football are telling you this is going to happen. It's going to happen. And so, yeah, there is a bit of a, there's a bit of disappointment and, and it feels like Oklahoma lost a little bit today because you didn't win those two major recruiting battles at the same time. You didn't lose anybody either. You didn't have a day like Notre Dame. You didn't have a day like Baylor. You didn't have a day like, I mean, you can pick a number of programs who lost some of their big time recruits. Oklahoma didn't have that. You held on to Jackson Arnold. You held on to PJ Atabari. You held on to Caden Green, Jaquez Petaway, like all these kids, particularly the ones from out of state. They stayed committed for months on end. Jackson Arnold been committed since January, never wavered. To me, that's a win. PJ Atabari been committed since the summer, never wavered. Another win. So yeah, it's it. it it's a weird place to be because you feel like it could have been better, and I think that's probably where it's at. It's like. I kind of likened it when I was writing for Sooners Wire today to waking up on Christmas morning. You get a bunch of the things that you wanted to have for Christmas, but there were a couple of things that you were really, really looking forward to getting on Christmas morning and they just didn't come up, but your cousins got them like, and so like, yes, you're really excited. I, I think back to like eight year old John, man, I'm really excited that I got, I got the sting and Lex Luger combo to go with my wrestling guys, but man, it would have been really nice to have the ultimate warrior too but I didn't get that. So it's like, yes, I'm really excited, but man, just a little bit of disappointment. That's not a real story for my childhood, but just an example. But that's kind of what it was like a lot to be excited about. I mean, I woke up kind of late this morning. Cause like Josh, I was up late in the night writing. So I woke up and the first thing I do is I look at my phone. And I'm saying, Oh, signed, signed, signed. So I start, you know, put, you know, pumping out all the, the content and things like that. And by the time we get to like noon, all of Oklahoma's commits had signed with Oklahoma. Plus you got one in Marcus strong, who is another one of those under the radar three-star guys. So yes, a weird, weird signing period, at least the first day disappointed. We didn't get Peyton Bowen guilty. I thought he was coming. I thought to Celia Connor was coming. I got it wrong too. Um, people I talked to, not just the recruiting people, uh, you know, that, that run recruiting sites or do recruiting information. They were also surprised whether, you know, and so I think there's a lot of people that were really shocked that Oregon came in and swooped in kind of at the last minute and were able to, to pluck Peyton Bowen away, not just from Oklahoma, but from Notre Dame really. And yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's not a loss because we, he was never committed to Oklahoma, but it feels like a loss because you felt so close to getting him. Yeah. Well, you and I, and you know, look, I'll raise my hand too and say, Hey, guilty for leading you astray. Thought Oklahoma was going to land Peyton Bowen. Uh, thought Oklahoma was going to land to Celia Kana because that's what 
a lot of our local experts and national experts, that's what the tea leaves said, right? So, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, he wasn't committed, was not committed to Oklahoma. This was a situation with Bowen where you're trying to flip Bowen's recruitment. And yet, in some ways, Oklahoma fans are going to feel like, huh, that's that's one of the ones that recruiting-wise got away for OU just because it felt like uh, it, well, and you and I and so many people were guilty of this idea that Peyton Bowen was was coming here. I think now it becomes where we have to ask the question: Is is there going to be more of that now going forward uh, versus less of that? Because frankly, you had a lot of people that are in the know. There's look, my man. Let me let me just say this publicly for our buddy. And, and really for all of the Oklahoma recruiting guys, I've said this before. I said it after the, the David Hicks situation did not play out the way you wanted it to for OU. I get it. You pay your $9.99 or $10.99 a month or whatever it is, right? Some of you got a discount for your, your 247 sports or your rivals monthly memberships. And now that gives you the license to just trash Parker Thune and to trash Brandon Drum and to trash Josh McQuishan and all these guys that had the tea leaves and the writing on the wall that Bowen was coming to Oklahoma. They're not in the know, right? Their sources stink, on and on and on. Their sources are good. These guys work incredibly hard to bring you great information. And they got it wrong. They got it wrong. But everybody, for the most part, got it wrong, except for a couple of Texas insiders this morning that woke up and uh, got it right with Cecilia Connor, right? But on the Bowen thing, everybody got it wrong. And I think what I'm saying, John, is, it's going to be tough for Parker Thune and some of these people in this industry that you could have all of the information right leading up to, well, this, the early signing period, signing day. And if, in fact, what a lot of people are speculating with the name, image, likeness side with Oregon, if that's true, if there's anything to that, man, you can have everything right. And then, boom, the rug gets ripped out from underneath you if Oklahoma is not more competitive in that arena which is something we're going to talk about uh, in this show as we continue to break down the first day of the early signing period. We'll talk about NIL. We'll talk about Oklahoma's 2023 recruiting class, the chosen class. But first, let me talk to you about Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest place to bet on all your favorite sports. Thankfully, you can't bet on how recruits are going to go. You can't commit or bet on where commit, uh, recruits are going to commit. But you can bet on Major League Baseball futures. You can bet on Super Bowl futures. The NFL playoffs are coming up. The NBA season, NHL season is going strong. And you can get in on the action over at Bet Online. You can also bet on boxing, MMA, and even eSports. They got you covered. It's the fastest and easiest place to place all your wagers. Again, that's Bet Online where the game starts. And thank you again so much for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. Make sure you also go check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast with our guy, Peter Bukowski, giving you all the latest insight and top stories in under 20 minutes. Again, the Locked On Sports Today podcast, available on all your podcast platforms and on YouTube. So Josh, the NIL situation, the NIL part of this is going to be a fascinating one to follow for Oklahoma. Crimson and Cream Collective also merging with Strengthening Oklahoma, which was the collective kind of spearheaded by, um, what was it, Teddy Lehman and uh, not Gabe, it's... um, yeah, Gabe Eichert Dusty. and Dusty Yeah, yeah, Gabe Eichert and Dusty Dvorak We're kind of spearheading that movement. Well, they merged with with Crimson and Cream Collective that had a really, you know, kind of big push in December to to help match a big donation that was that was handed out. Um 
made some headway. Didn't, didn't make big, didn't, weren't able to complete the match. Um, and this is an area and it's not just on the Oklahoma fans to get involved in this, but this is a place where local corporations that are Oklahoma supporters really need to probably look at stepping up. I mean, you look at Oregon, Nike, if Nike is kind of your big benefactor, which it has been for years, Oregon has been, has benefited greatly from the Nike connection. Oklahoma corporations, they're going to have to find a way to get involved in this, you know, this, this, this area, this arena of college football, if they want to see Oklahoma competitive on the NIL front and competitive for players like Peyton Bowen, players you know like David Hicks. I mean, we can kind of throw that out there. Like, I'm not saying that's the only reason those guys committed to those places, but it's it's definitely part of it. I think it's safe to say like NIL is a big part of the decision making process for some of these players. For better or worse, that's the reality of it. And uh, some of these Oklahoma corporations won't name anybody specifically, but it's time to kind of like, Hey, come, come to bat for Oklahoma, get involved, be a part of it somehow. Yeah. I've got uh, just, I, I've got some feelings about all of this. I, I'm at that point to where, look, I, I am a part of the Crimson and cream collective. Okay. You, you see the mug, right? I, uh, I, I have my, monthly membership it's not a large amount for me but i'm not going to sit on here in you know a podcast forum or a radio forum and beg fans or plead with fans to give more give more give more right fans you know give so much when it's in the way of season tickets and you're getting you're getting yanked a million different directions financially and so it's hard for me to kind of fight that fight if you will and, but, you know, having said that, I don't disagree with anything that you just mentioned. If this is the direction that all of this is headed, and if this is the direction that it's going and it's not changing anytime soon, and there's no real enforcement from the NCAA or any sort of overarching body of government of college athletics, if you will, right? If there's none of that, then yeah, Oklahoma needs somebody to pony up a little bit more, whether that's you know, big, big money boosters, whether that's you and I and the rest of the fan base, right, with money, uh, you know, monthly money donations to something like the Crimson and Cream Collective, it, it does feel like Oklahoma is not competitive enough in that arena right now. Again, sort of my big picture thoughts on this, John, I'd like to see it get to a point to where essentially you have college football more like an NFL light to where each each school can only a lot, so much money, right, to each uh, signing class, to players, and then maybe a little bit on the outside of that, you kind of have name image likeness back to what it was originally intended for, John, which is for this business or that business, I, I can be a spokesperson, I can come out, I can sign autographs, and if, and if a certain school's better at that than others, then so be it, right? That was the nature of the rule. That was the nature of how it was created. I, I'm kind of at that point to where, I don't know that it's fair to keep asking fans for more, 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 more. Right. And I think it's time for really, you know, at some point, I think you're running the risk here of yes, football is great. And you and I, and a bunch of people are going to watch football. Right. But at some point I do worry a little bit that if you keep asking, 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 knocking on the door, knocking on the door, knocking on the door of hitting people where it hurts, which is their pocketbook. 
that eventually there's going to be a little bit of apathy, John, and not just at a place like Oklahoma, but I see this nationwide. Uh, obviously, I'm very connected with what I'm doing with Iowa, and guess what happened to them? Their five-star hometown commit, he flipped, right? And the rumor is part of the reason he flipped is because the, the NIL package at Alabama was better, right? So do fans eventually start tuning out because of some of this stuff? I think that's a legitimate concern that needs to get addressed nationally. Absolutely, it will. And when you when you pay what you pay for season tickets, you I mean, for a lot of fans, they're coming from out of town. So they're paying what they have to pay for hotels and food while they're there and food at the games. It 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 adds up. And even if it's just six times a year on home games, a lot of fans are traveling to away games or going to the bowl and and donating to the university and to the athletic program already. And and so it is it is hard to ask people to do more. Or instead of asking people to do more, maybe we're just going to have to resign ourselves to the fact that like, if NIL is part of it, maybe just assume you're not going to be getting a lot of these guys. You, you might get a few, you might get some, but you're not going to have, you know, five, five stars or four or five stars. You might get one or two in a class. Um, maybe none like, like in 2022, but you just kind of have to reset and recalibrate expectations a little bit. And that's okay. Like Brent Venables even said when he came on, he's like, NIL is not going to be a, the most important part of our program. We're not going to make that a foundation of our program. It'll be part of it. But if kids are looking to come to Oklahoma because of NIL opportunities, they might not be the best fit for Oklahoma. And that's okay. That's the, if that's the reality of the situation, then we're going to lose some of these recruiting battles to places like Oregon, places like Alabama. The other point I wanted to make on the subject and this will not make, I think, some of the folks at the university level necessarily very happy. But the, the, the main point I was wanting to get at with the fans and the name, image, and likeness and collectives and on and on and on, right, is it's just not fair. It's not fair to keep asking fans, give me – look, it's time for the SEC and the Big Ten and these conferences. It's time for OU to start footing the bill to, to pay the players. It should not be fans paying name, image, and likeness to players. It, it's – it's done. It's time for that little era to be over. Let's talk about the players because I think that's kind of the bigger story is what Oklahoma has coming to Norman in the 2023 class. You got Jackson Arnold, you got PJ Atabari, you got Caden Green, Jaquez Petaway, Caleb, you know, Keon Brown, Caleb Hicks, Dalen. So, I mean, a ton of, you know, four and five star talents. You got what, 11 blue chipper? Or no, wait, what is the, what's the count? Let me get the count right. It is. 15 blue chip players coming to Oklahoma out of their 24 commits uh, added a guy, another three-star special in Marcus strong today, a guy that kind of flew under the radar, but this dude had 10 and a half sacks this season, averaged five tackles per game as a defensive lineman. So pretty intriguing prospect uh, of the likes of an Ashton Sanders or Taylor Wayne guys that came on strong later um, in their senior year. What's kind of your biggest takeaway from this group of players, Josh? Well, I just think top to bottom, John, Oklahoma, again, it's interesting times because people wanted just that little bit extra with this recruiting class. But, man, I think defensively you've got some great playmakers across the board. It starts with P.J. Adabare as your guy up front, right? Just the collection of defensive secondary talent. Oklahoma's loaded in this class with blue chip guys, John. Vickers and Jacoby Johnson – uh, Josiah Wagner's, we think, going to be a really, really good player. Dave McCullough, uh, Derek LeBlanc up front, another guy that Oklahoma fans should be very excited about. Another recruiting class, this is not shocking, 
but another recruiting class where guess what? Brent Venables and Oklahoma bring in a pair of what? Blue chip linebackers in Sammy Omasigo and Lewis Carter. And that doesn't, uh, that doesn't even mention Phil Pachati, who wouldn't fit into that blue chip mix, but I think has every opportunity to develop into a really, really great football player for Oklahoma. So, man, it's a, it, it's a great class for Oklahoma defensively. Honestly, it's, it's probably a little bit better class defensively than it is offensively, which is a change of pace for OU, John, and I think a welcome change for Oklahoma fans. Yeah, so I counted it up. You got nine four- and five-star players on the defensive side of the football coming. That's huge. Like that, that's more than half of your blue chip players. So, I mean, you're still getting six guys on the offensive side of the football, but you have a, a majority of your players going to go to the defensive side. And it's like you mentioned, Josh, it, it's at every single level. You've got defensive line guys that are four and five star. You got linebackers that are four stars. You got defensive backs that are four stars. And I think that's good. Like having that, that uh, diversity of talent and that depth of talent added to your roster because these guys are going to develop at different you know, timelines, like, you know, having so many secondary secondary guys added to this recruiting class is great. Some might be ready to play in 2023. Some might not really be ready to contribute until 2024. And that's okay because you added so much talent. You have the time, same at linebacker, you know, in 2022, you added three guys that you really like in Kobe McKenzie, Jaron Kanick and Kip Lewis. Well, you added three more in this class that you really like. Well, it gives you time and it gives you the opportunity to let competition and and the offseason stuff go to figure out who's going to be the guys that contribute in 2023 or 2024 25 but by the time you get to 2025 like you're going to have a really really strong linebacker group assuming all these guys stay right that's a big assumption but if you have you know half or four of these six guys still on your roster by 2024 2025 you're looking really good at linebacker and you're going to continue to build your defensive line depth but it's a really great start like you can you get to add, you know, PJ Adabari, Derek LeBlanc, Taylor Wayne, Ashton Sanders, Marcus Strong, who I just mentioned, uh, to a group that has Ethan Downs, that has R. Mason Thomas, that has Deshaun McCullough. Like you're de- you're starting to put together some really really nice pieces that will only benefit your defense as they grow together and with time. Like it it may not happen in 2023 where you see this defense really take a big step forward. But by 2024, I feel like it's reasonable to expect like this defense looks a whole lot different than it did in 2022. I'm just looking strictly linebacker, right, for Oklahoma these last two classes, John. Sammy Omasigo, Lewis Carter, Phil Pachotti, Jaron Kanick, Kobe McKenzie, Kip Lewis. And did I miss anybody? I don't think I did. I mean, that is a lot of linebacker talent in back-to-back classes. That's that's a crazy amount of linebacker talent just in terms of what the the blue chip the blue chip numbers look like, right? What they're telling you. So, Oklahoma, these uh, last two classes, believe it or not, I know people are a little down and out because of the Peyton Bowen and Tassili Akana situations, but man, Oklahoma here to me, John, I think has added enough blue chip talent to do really a couple of things. Be competitive in the Big 12 and SEC win championships there, and fight for national championships. I do think one of my overarching takeaways, and we can, you know, the name image likeness thing is its own animal in college sports right now. But I think one of the takeaways for me in this signing class, John, is that I think Oklahoma's going to have to win big on the gridiron itself a little bit before it maybe makes that next leap 
into that elite, elite tier of recruiting. And honestly, that's probably how it should be. And I say that because, look, we can get into, you know, was name, image, likeness a factor for Bowen or for Hicks or whoever, right? And probably in certain individual cases, it's going to be. And regardless of what you do on the field, John, maybe it's ultimately with certain players, right? It's always going to come down to the almighty dollar. And that's a business decision. And, and I get that. But I do think if you win and you win big, John, it sets you up to not always have to have maybe the same offer on the table from a name image likeness perspective as others. So I don't know. And, and do, where, where do you stand with that? Because I think for me, you know, as we end this early signing period, that's kind of how I feel about Oklahoma is, you know, they're right there on that precipice and probably they're going to have to do some winning to get to that next stage. Yeah. I don't think that the six and six season hurts them as much as people want to say it does, but I do think to get to that, top five level it, it'll help now texas has been able to recruit at a top five level for years regardless of the average you know product they put on the field but i think it's just going to be different for oklahoma it, it, it just is and i mean texas is recruiting texas they're recruiting in-state kids from texas that's a big difference between oklahoma and texas oklahoma's got to go out of state to bring those kids in um, they can do it. They can, I mean, they were on the verge of having, of having a top five class. Now we're not even, we're still a month and a half away from national signing day. So there's a chance that they can get there, but where it comes from, who knows, it's kind of going to be a little bit more of a stretch, but yeah, I think, I think they're going to have to, to get to the point where, yeah, they're back to the big 12 title contender in 2024 when they get to the sec that they knock off a team that is perceived to be a better program than them, depending on what the schedule looks like whether it's a Georgia or an Alabama, maybe a, it's a Tennessee in a high profile game. Not that Tennessee's a better program, but because of what Tennessee did this year, um, that's a high profile team at the moment or an LSU, something like that. They get into the SEC when those games are competitive, competing for the SEC title and potentially contending for the playoff. I mean, that, that could definitely change the thing. You look at TCU right now. I mean, they're top 18 right now, in the 247 sports team recruiting rankings, big 12 champion, or sorry, Big 12 championship appearance, college football playoff appearance, that's only going to help their recruiting as well. So winning will matter. Winning does matter. You look at the teams at the top. I mean, aside from Texas, everybody up there is winning. Um, and so I, I think there's there's a lot to be said for that. I mean, you look at, you know, it's Alabama, Georgia, 1-2. Then you got Texas and Miami, average and average teams, but we know where a lot of the Miami influence is coming from. Um, Ohio State, LSU, Oregon, now, I will say Miami's got Mario Cristobal. He's a really good recruiter. Did some really good things when he was at Oregon. Uh, but, yeah, that turnaround's happened quite quite quickly. And John Ruiz has been um, – he has not been shy about his involvement and uh, blockchain's involvement in NIL as well. So winning is ultimately, I think, the thing that's going to matter the most. But, again, Oklahoma, as long as they can maintain that top eight class year after year and then – bump into the top five. I think that's going to be the, that's going to be okay for them. Now your, your coaching is going to have to show that they can develop this class and take some of those three-star guys and make them legitimate, bona fide contributors to this team. You know, guys that I'm really high on, like a Taylor Wayne, Ashton Sanders, you know, uh, Heath Ozida, like these guys that might be not very highly regarded. You got to take those guys and they got to become some of your better players. That's really how, really how you got to do it because you expect your four and five star players to be really good. 
it's the three stars. If you can bring their game to match that and you can get the same contributions or better out of those guys, I think that's when you really found something there. Well, and there's multiple paths now to the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, right? And I think we saw that a little bit with Oklahoma with Deshaun McCullough. And and ultimately, it got you Day McCullough in this signing class as well. But, you know, if you can win, John, and get to where you're one of the preeminent programs, I mean, obviously, you got to do a heck of a lot better than six and six. That's no brainer. But if you get Oklahoma back to the point to where it's clear that the suitors are year in and year out going to be a factor in the SEC, they're going to win the SEC, and then they're going to go to the college football playoff and be a legitimate factor there to win a national championship. Whether or not it's uh, in the signing class where you're finishing top three, top five, year after year after year, that, of course, would help. You can you can pluck the talent out of the transfer portal. There's different ways, again, to get to that pot of gold at the uh, end of the rainbow now. It's just a different era of college football that we live in. So, And I would encourage some people to not totally freak out about the bone and a kind of thing. Because of that, too, right? Because of the transfer portal, there's different avenues to being great for Oklahoma now. So let's see. Let's see what the next couple of steps look like. Maybe there's still a surprise or two before we get to the 2023 season kicking off in terms of what Oklahoma's roster construction looks like. And, I mean, Peyton Bowen hadn't submitted his uh, national letter of intent yet, last I saw. So not to get anybody's hopes up, but... Who knows? I mean, not, nothing's going to change on that front, I don't think. For, not for OU. It doesn't no, not, feel like Not for right. OU, no. No, so I'm watching this commitment, Josh, and just the last thing. I'm watching the commitment. Okay, you got the Notre Dame hat. You got the, the Oregon hat. I'm just assuming he's got, like, the Oklahoma shirt underneath, right? Like, that he's going to do the hat thing, do the hat thing, and then after it all is said and done, he's going to pull off his Denton Geyer shirt, and he's going to have an Oklahoma shirt on there. And, man, I was disappointed when that wasn't the case. But it is what it is. Best of luck to you, Peyton Bowen, up there with the Ducks. You get to wear some fly uniforms. That was not a pun. I did not mean to, to, to let that pun fly, but it is what it is. Um, so best of luck to you there, to Celia Kana. I guess best of luck. We get to see you every year. So, you know, watch out. Caden Green's going to get you. So a little, uh, <laughs> little less best yeah. of luck, but obviously yeah. – I don't wish you ill will, but I mean, come on, it's the Red River Showdown. I'm not going to wish you luck. So anyway, uh, but hey, that's going to do it for today's episode. We're going to continue to talk recruiting and NIL um, and 2023 class transfer portal. I'm sure we'll have more information as the next few days go along. I mean, this is just day one of the early signing period. There's two more days. I don't know what else could happen to uh, to top such a crazy day. Um, but maybe Brent Venables has got a few tricks that left up his sleeves to, to really uh, blow us away. So, and we'll have all that covered for you on Locked On Sooners. But until next time, again, make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're free and available on all platforms. Go hit the subscribe button over on YouTube. Smash the like and notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. Follow Josh on Twitter at Josh on Ref. Me at John Nine Williams. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Sooners and on Facebook, Locked On Sooners Podcast. Again, thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. And until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. We'll catch you then. Boomer Sooner.